0: This is Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. It is Sandy and Sean. I'm Sean Drotar, Sandy Clough on my left. Danny Bailey in the booth. As, as Sandy. I need, I need to borrow from Sandy here because uh, when I'm out, Sandy immediately introduces him as the great Danny Bailey. I think we should just start doing that with regularity. So uh, the well, great that, Danny Bailey.
1: In the, there I, there sure may Danny be other Danny that.
0: Bailey. But I mean, with all due respect, unless you're listening right now and your name is Danny Bailey. We so what? We don't really care. have the best. Yeah, we have the There's best. If somebody Danny out ba- there in his name Danny Bailey and is listening, you gotta text or call in. That's true. Yeah, that's it. true. And true. it's 303 831 1340. Or point, if your initials David. are D B, that's close enough. Yeah, yeah, that that's close enough. Yeah, exactly. But uh, again, here we are, Sandy. It's such a fascinating uh, football weekend because the the coaching carousel continues. Yeah. Uh, almost A muck would literally be that maybe the correct uh, term in this case, but the coaching carousel continues. The week has been more interesting than I suspect
2: the games will be this week. Yeah,
0: and uh, obviously the 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 big news we went through it yesterday with Belichick and with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll talked today uh, about how possibly uh, on Seattle radio. Yeah, he was pushed up. Not pushed out, pushed up. Yeah, but the uh, the other big news by of non-football, non-football people. The term Which
2: it doesn't sound like Pete Carroll. I, I, it, 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 for Pete Carroll to get into this. Well, non-football people are destroying the game. Uh, Pete Carroll is the opposite of a traditional, old-school style NFL coach. I'm surprised he would use the language of an old-school, old-fashioned right. well, NFL. Well, that's what you coach. do when you're unhappy with the decision. I don't want to be. Uh, told what to do by non-football people. And I don't know, from day to day, he's gone from unhappy to happy to unhappy again over the last three days. So with Pete Carroll, it depends on the mood, Uh, I guess. uh, He's been
0: all over the map. How would you like to try to be doing the hiring coaching for Seattle now, knowing that Pete Carroll is still there and would prefer to be the coach? All things considered. Right. And we'll be
2: around the players from what I understand of the position they envisioned for him and have explained to him and that, you know, people very close to the organization say he sort of signed off on that. Nobody likes to lose their job and getting kicked upstairs right. is viewed by some as a demotion, mm-hmm. but you know, listen, there's nothing in his record in recent years uh with or without the Wilson trade to indicate that Pete Carroll is any different from any other coach in his seventies who is contemplating retirement or maybe one final move. I, I I think you have with Saban and I watched that whole interview he did with Reese Davis, who did a terrific job with him and clearly Saban is comfortable with Reese Davis and they had a nice conversation and Saban didn't create a lot of drama. In fact, he seemed to suggest that, you know, every year for the past four or five years, he's kind of reviewed things. And he did speak to the idea that as he was interviewing an assistant coach, on the very day he retired, he said 15 minutes before he went down to the locker room, it was the old LBJ deal when he decided not to run for president in 1968. Right before he made the announcement in late March, fact on the final day of March, he had two speeches written. One speech, he was running. The other speech, he was dropping out. And his family didn't know which speech he was going to give until I guess he told the person running the teleprompter, put in the retirement, I'm not running speech. So Seattle so, has to deal I, with that. I think that Seattle is dealing with some of that, but I thought Saban explained it that it it just hit him. You know, he he there were there was going to be one of two things he told the players, but he said he just it it sounded like not necessarily spur of the moment, but something that he came around to and that you know he, he has to replace a lot of assistants every mm-hmm. year. I mean, people don't stay with Nick Saban for that long. He's a tough guy to work for. Mm-hmm. Very demanding. And I think that was part of what he thought, you know, I'm 72 years old. Why am I interviewing wide receiver coaches? Uh, you know, we were supposed to have a team meeting yesterday. Weather got in the way. Now we have to have it today. I was expecting today to be a latter day and here I am. I'm getting set to meet with the team and I'm interviewing assistant coaches and you know, you have to re-recruit the recruits all the time and it's just I I don't need it if you want to learn about Belichick read Seth Wickersham and company with as good a piece as I've ever read and Seth Wickersham wrote the book Mm -hmm. and we had him on after he did a long form profile on Sean Payton back in August for ESPN.com and again today the final days of Bill Belichick but it isn't the final days. No, you get the 24 years in total. You get even more insight on Belichick Kraft, Brady. And let me say this. There are about 10 things I wrote down to pay attention to in this piece. I'm not going to review any of them just to say that. I'm sure you'll have the same reaction if you read the piece on ESPN.com, that there are at least 10 things that come out of it, several of which have possible application to the Denver Broncos situation here. Uh, The last observation, or one of the last, was that Jonathan Kraft, not Robert, Mm -hmm. Jonathan Kraft and Bill Belichick, had the same kind of poisonous relationship that Joe Ellis had with Mike Shanahan. And if anybody really wanted Bill Belichick gone, yeah, Robert Kraft was probably ready to move on. But Bill Belichick was ready to move on from Robert Kraft. The relationship that was never any good to begin with and became almost impossible was Jonathan Kraft and Bill Belichick. Kraft hated Belichick, hated him for years. Belichick hated Kraft, not Robert, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. although he and Robert weren't great buddies either. And one of the great quotes, and I'm sure it percolates around Dove Valley regarding Sean Payton, is Kraft mocking Bill Belichick to friends and associates for years as the great intelligent man. Sound like anybody we might know?
0: Well, it's obviously A not.
2: certain head coach we might know out at Dove Valley who might be referred that way that are,
0: by staffers. Right. Well, two guys that are off the Parcells tree. I mean, obviously, in Belichick and and, and Peyton that have a lot of those uh, similarities, obviously. It, it's it's fascinating because the Patriots, look, the final days of Bill Belichick in New England. He's coaching it there's no question. It's a matter of where he coaches, and it, it's it's not going to be in Seattle. See, the Seattle hiring is going to be fascinating to see where that goes. Uh, Mike Vrabel is out in Tennessee, but he's not going to be in New England. Gerard Mayo, one of the hotter candidates uh, last year, even gets the job, as people point out, and in-
2: that's uh, described in the story as being uh, not the straw that broke the camel's back, but something that added tension to an already tension-filled relationship between. The Crafts, I'll say, and Bill Belichick, because when Gerard Mayo received a contract extension, it was broadcast far and wide. Mm -hmm. That is not the Patriot way. They do all those things behind the scenes. It's never announced. Belichick hated that. And basically, Gerard Mayo was isolated from the rest of the coaching staff throughout the year, despised by every other member of the coaching staff. Suffice to say, the New England Patriots will have an entirely, and I mean entirely, different assistant coaching staff under Gerard Mayo than Bill Belichick had this
0: year. Mayo's really considered uh, one of the up and comers, obviously, and now he, it had
2: nothing to do with Mayo. Right, although Mayo right. was strutting it's around a, it's a, like he knew he was the right, heir apparent. Right, right,
0: we see these; these are power struggles sometimes between the outgoing coach and the heir apparent, and we've seen this before. And it not normally with guys with Bill Belichick's gravitas, but we've seen it. Mayo now the youngest coach in the league. You'll hear that he's a month <laughs> one month younger than Sean McVay, although he is seventy regular season and seven playoff wins and one championship behind yeah. him. McVay. there's a lot of catching up yeah, a lot of catching up to do in the one month so but uh i don't i don't mind the hire at all i think it makes sense but it is interesting to me that so where does where does Vrabel land does Vrabel take a year uh i'm one of the guys that you know it's not an option but if you were to ask me right now just personally boy sean if you could trade sean payton for mike Vrabel, would you do it and i'd be like not only would i do it i would get in the car and go pick mike Vrabel up right now personally but that's not an option so Vrabel is going to sit it out. Belichick's going to sit it out. I think there's a good chance. Watch Dallas this weekend, and we'll talk about the NFL playoffs as well. I think if Dallas were to somehow lose this week, maybe even prior to the NFC Championship, uh, Jerry Jones may take the opportunity to land Belichick, who he believes might be the guy to get him there. So Belichick may not take something immediately. Vrabel may have to wait. We're going to find out what's happening with Jim Harbaugh, who the presumption is, yes, and wisely so. Harbaugh and or...
2: Belichick end up in the AFC West? That's one of the questions. Also a of the possibility day. because
0: we've seen this, uh, and we've seen it before with Pete Carroll. At a certain point, when the sanctions are coming, and everybody knows the sanctions are coming, Michigan had two different cheating issues this year as they are on their way to the title. Harbaugh's on his way out, so the sanctions become the next guy's problem. This is what Pete Carroll did at USC. With all the issues with Reggie Bush and his family living in a different house. As soon as it was bill came due. Carol's out of there, and he's going to Seattle. Uh, Harbaugh's going to do the same thing. So all these things kind of circle around, and, and it is really fascinating to watch. But it also has an impact on the college scene. And Stephen A. Smith, who like him or, or, or hate him or whatever in between, uh, is is definitely predictable when it comes to the hot takes. Oh, did take a little bit of the idea that uh, that we discussed yesterday that while. The future sort of belongs, at least the near-term future, in the next five years, to the Dan Lannings, to uh, the coaches who can really get NIL money set up, to an extent, Deion Sanders, who I think is recruiting uh, uh, with a level above, when I'm, and I consider that transfer and incoming high schoolers, but is bringing in talent a level above of what at least the coaching resume would indicate you would get. Stephen A. Smith suggested, of course, because everyone knows who Deion Sanders is, that He would be the perfect replacement for Nick Saban. Here's what
1: he said. Prime time, Deion Sanders. I feel that way. He's probably mad that I'm gonna say it because he, you know, happy. I, I don't. Me personally, yeah. go ahead and be happy in Boulder, Colorado. Knock yourself out. I mean, I God bless you. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, 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 just, just I, 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 I'm not gonna cast any aspersions on Boulder, Colorado. But all I'm gonna say is that I was there twice in my life, and the only time, and the only reason for that was him. Okay, and that's really what it comes down to. I would tell you this. um, The reason why I feel that way is because I'm thinking about today's generation of players um, catching the pulse of the players. I'm thinking about NIL. I'm thinking about the transfer portal, which obviously were things that Nick Saban had some degree of a problem with. And then I'm thinking about Deion Sanders. He's got the top-ranked transfer class right now.
0: Again, there's a couple things. One. Sorry, Stephen A. hasn't visited Boulder more than twice. It's pretty great. Two, sorry, he missed it when they were winning a national championship. I, I, I. Made well, where's it there. all the nil money in Tuscaloosa? There was never enough for Nick
2: Saban. He complained about that.
0: But more it's, than once. It's twofold. That's interesting because the other thing about Deion Sanders, and I get, I get it. His name's going to come up for everything because of the attention that he brings. The truth of the matter is, and I. It would be insane for Alabama. It would be who crazy. Is, of course, now and hired someone else. Keep in fish. mind, and, and as we suspected, Kalen DeBoer yes. of Washington it was gets a the job. Great a, choice. A perfect fit. Perfect. It's fit. Great. But here's the thing. And and I, I get it. it. Look, Danny's a, a buff. I'm a buff. A lot of people, some of you listening, probably are. But at the same time, I think if you look at this with your eyes open, Colorado hired Deion Sanders and was able to hire Deion Sanders and was able to give him what he wanted because they were not only bad, they were an afterthought. They were invisible. Invisible. What you needed, first and foremost, was attention and relevance. Wins could afford to come later because you are taking a gamble. Look at the way the season finished. The, the coaching acumen for Deion Sanders and already turned over as offensive and defensive coordinator, it, it is in some question. And it was when they hired him. But Colorado was in a situation of desperation where they had to be able to get attention, and it's worked. The universities, uh, don't worry even about the football side. Enrollment is up. Transfers out for just students are down. Money is up. It's it's a win. But the other programs, and this has always been the worry, right? Ever since Sanders came to town, and I've been telling everyone this now for a while. You're Like, oh, what happens about Alabama or Ohio State or LSU, all the big programs? They don't Need Deion Sanders. They have a successful system set up. What Colorado did with Deion and what you have to do with Deion, and that would include anywhere, including Alabama, if they wanted to go that route, which they wisely did not, you have to hand over your entire process to Deion Sanders. Look, when you want to talk to Deion, how many interviews have you heard with Deion Sanders outside of Romy Bean? The None. terrific Romy Bean. None. None. You know why? Because if you actually talk to Colorado. And talk to the athletic department and request an interview with the coach, which is what you usually do. For those people who don't know how it works, you you make a request to the athletic communications department. They try to schedule it as best as they can. In Boulder, you get routed to Dion's own people. He handles it himself. If you're Bama, if you're Texas, if you're Ohio, if you're a big successful program, you don't want any part of that. You don't need it. You're in a different spot. So the, the idea, I get it. Stephen A. Smith woke up one morning and I'm like, well, i got to find a hot take. Well, let's talk about Deion Sanders for five seconds. Okay, cool, fine. But even he has to know it makes no sense. It would have made no sense for Bama. And it doesn't make sense for Sanders, who, by the way, even with the talent he brought in in Colorado, finished with a losing record in a dying Pac-12, which was pretty good, by the way, but nevertheless. And you're going to go to Bama and succeed Saban? If you don't win 11 games next year, they're going to run you out of town. It, it's, it's always been where Colorado is at with Sanders and where Sanders is at as a coach and where the big regular top 25 programs are, they are not overlapping. They are dwelling right now in different worlds and it doesn't make sense to try to blend them. I guarantee you Alabama never even considered calling Deion Sanders. Yeah. Um, no. And,
2: and he does commercials you know and he does
0: commercials every day, every weekend you watch with Nick Mike Saban. Norvell
2: can say what he wants. Mike Norvell was never a serious candidate in nope. Alabama. And he is Lanning denying was. that. He is suggesting that he was. I, I don't think Lanning was all that serious. No, he's, he's too abrasive a person. And, and they probably gave a call you, you and realized need,
0: what they had to buy him out and said, okay, yeah, never mind. No, DeBoer's perfect. No, DeBoer's perfect. He lands yes. right in
2: their lap. Yeah. but And I understand with DeBoer, there's a huge buyout too. Alabama can afford the $12 million buyout for what they're paying uh, DeBoer. Deboer can afford it. However, that gets paid. Yeah, it'll get off. Kalen Deboer takes that job, knowing he will be criticized as early as next year and perhaps harshly every time he loses a game. And this is a coach who, in his head coaching career, has a record of one hundred four and twelve. Right, and he knows
0: phenomenal record. He
2: knows that even if they just lose one game, he will be criticized harshly. And mostly unfairly, but that's part of the gig. And they had to hire someone who temperamentally would be prepared to accept that. That is not Mike Norvell. Uh, That might be Steve Sarkeesian, but If there are five jobs, let's say, in America that can pay you more than what Alabama can pay, Texas is certainly one of them, Mm -hmm. and Texas might be at the top of the list. So, Sarkeesian, who had a great year, virtually as good a year as Alabama had this year with with Texas, and they love him there, yes, why would he leave? He coached at Alabama. All right. Even if you're you're Lanning. Marvell never did. And Lanning is not a temperamental fit. It doesn't matter. Maybe Lanning looked at that and said, yeah, I'll test. It's prestige. I'll take the call out what might be there. And it'll get me at least a slightly better deal in order to stay. I don't think Lanning was ever leaving. I don't think Lanning was
0: ever Alabama's number one choice. There's such a difference, Sandy. was from the start. And here's the difference if you're a guy like Lanning. That's really valuable to keep in mind. And I'm not suggesting he wouldn't like to win a title. He would. But we know the pressure that's going to be on the next guy here. He's at Oregon, making Nike money, making tons of money, bringing that speed to the Big Ten, by the way, which for at least a year is going to be culture shock for the Big Ten. And you know what Oregon's happy with? Oregon would love to, to win a title. But you know what Oregon likes? Ten win seasons. You keep racking up 10 win seasons in Oregon. They love you. You're fine. You can stay there. If you're Dan Lanning, you're in the perfect spot. The expectations are lower. You make tons of money. You're in great shape. Why would you leave? And the truth of the matter is for Bama, I'm not worried about Bama in the long term, but the NIO world is here. Yes. And, and Alabama will level off the, a little up, bit. the, the reputation next few years. of these 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 programs doesn't matter as much as it used to. And that is an advantage for a guy like a Deion Sanders, where you can maybe make up the difference faster than usual, but stop with the idea that Deion Sanders is in demand for regular top 25 programs. He's He's not, he's not, well, you know what else isn't happening? Um, the Denver nuggets when they drafted Nicole Jokic, did they have a plan? A very, very, very complicated plan and a crystal ball uh, and a tremendous amount of luck. One Carmelo Anthony thinks so. Just when you think Carmelo might be getting over things, uh, not quite. We'll hear a little bit from Carmelo because there is some uh, pure, unfiltered bonkers coming out next on My Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Carmelo Anthony. And I, it's So, so strange. Carmelo Anthony is the 11th leading scorer in the history of the NBA. Carmelo Anthony had a, a brilliant career with the Denver Nuggets before he decided he wanted out. And presumably, if he would have continued to play even the way he played, and the team never got any further than it did at the one Western Conference finals that they made, he would have played his whole career in the Never in the Nuggets uniform. The Nuggets would have been delighted to have him, and he would have had that 15 hanging from the rafters. Well, it's a, kind of an odd, petty thing with Carmelo, who, remember, as I think most fans know, he's the one that wanted out. Well, over <laughs> in the last you know, 36 hours or so, our Carmelo went on uh, with a podcast with the 7 p.m. in Brooklyn and had a chance to have a discussion about the idea that Denver somehow had an idea to erase Carmelo's legacy because ostensibly they were mad at him demanding a trade and getting out. But listen to... Carmelo's discussion as to how he thinks this actually manifested.
1: Look me in my eyes. You had to feel away when they gave Jokic (laughs) that 15, bro, because that's mellow. Hell yeah. Did you think it was a petty maneuver? It was a petty maneuver. It wasn't like, oh, we got numbers to choose from. It was like, here. Take this one. You got 15. Ooh. And y'all put Jokic in the middle of that. He don't know what the he don't, don't know. even care. He could have been like, I want to wear 15. He could have been like, 15 is here. I can wear 15. Oh, that's. mellows. No, those numbers. You know what I mean? Like, just pay homage. I don't know. He could have wore it because he wanted to pay homage. Right. But what I believe is that they gave him 15 to try to erase what you did or what I your did. Your accomplishments over there. That's crazy. I used to think about it. I don't think about this shit no more, though. Yeah. Because what's meant to be is meant to be. Well, obviously, he
0: thinks about it a little bit because he's talking about it. Uh, you know, that it's. He's obsessed with it. Let me see if I can get past some of the the bonkersness of this. Okay, let me get some of the facts straight first and foremost. Uh, Carmelo would have worn 15 for as long as he wanted it. How do you want to say? Two, Nikola Jokic wore 15 since he was a child playing basketball. I remember he started a little comparatively late, so there are pictures of him 13, 14 years old wearing a 15. He was once asked why he picked 15, and he said, I was chubby, and it was the biggest jersey we had. Remember? He's in Serbia, okay? That they weren't—they weren't some AAU squad sponsored by multi-million-dollar companies. It probably legitimately just was the biggest jersey they had on hand, and then he—that's the number he played in. So he's worn that his whole playing career, even since as a kid. Second, Jokic wasn't the first guy to get 15. When Carmelo Anthony left a year, they left—they left it without for a year. And then they gave it to Anthony Randolph, the power forward out of LSU. He was in his fourth year. Randolph, kind of a bench guy, played about eight, nine minutes a game for the Nuggets. Was that a plan to erase Carmelo Anthony's legacy to give it to Anthony Randolph? Was that equally some sort of idea to it that that would be insulting because it's Anthony Randolph. How was Anthony Randolph drafted? You know. Oh boy, I mean, um, how was he drafted? I, I well, mean, it, was, and, and what, it was it was 2000, it was 2000s. He was 11, 12 okay, when he but in which his round? Season. Which yeah. round? I'd have to I'd have to take that one. Well, I'd, I'd have, f- have to look, but yeah, we, but probably. Uh, but Jokic was drafted 41st overall. Right. In, in the, the second, second during a Taco Bell commercial where ESPN just had I think a quesarito at the bottom of it, well, and uh, yeah, first time we were Fourteenth overall pick.
2: Fourteenth uh, uh, out of LSU. Just as I suspected he was a much more highly regarded prospect than Jokic and Jokic ever was and the idea that Jokic would even make the team was very much in question Yes. the idea that he was better than Yusuf Nurkic wasn't apparent until
0: what 15 16 mm-hmm. 16 17 Correct. thereabouts when he was drafted the presumption was he was going to do what the he Nuggets were to do up Nurkic. or or even for a bit do what San Antonio did at the time a lot of draft and stash Leave him in Serbia and then let him, uh, you know, let him play a little bit. The idea that the Nuggets, put it this way, if the Nuggets really thought, we're going to draft this guy 41st out of Serbia, he wears 15 already, he's going to ask for 15, and we're going to go, you know what? Kind of rubbing their hands all evil, like you're a cartoon villain, twirling their mustaches. That's a great idea because Anthony Randolph didn't appropriately erase all of Carmelo Anthony's achievements. Let's give it to you, guy that right now backs up Yusuf Nurkic. That'll solve it. I, I, that, that, I, this is crazy. It, it's, it's nonsense. And
2: Carmelo knows it's He's nonsense. He's got to know. Uh, it, the host was
0: clearly egging Oh, on you're egging him on. Too. Sure. But because it's hilarious. Why not? I mean, if you're, if you're going to go down that rabbit it, hole, I'll let you.
2: It, it's so devoid of fact uh, that there, there's no connection with reality whatsoever. Does Carmelo really believe that Jokic was a surefire star in the making when he came to the Nuggets and he asked was drafted for 41st. 15? And by the way, nobody thought by that. the way, Nikola Jokic knows far more about Nuggets history than Carmelo Anthony, and I like Carmelo Anthony I do personally. Too. Uh, I had plenty of dealings with him. He was always pleasant. Uh, we certainly, though I criticized him, and he was on talk shows, so I know he listened to him because he came on one with me one time for an hour right after the 04 Olympics, not to blast Larry Brown, but to kind of explain that, Larry was angry at LeBron James and Allen Iverson and a whole bunch of people on the 04 Olympic team, which is a failed Olympic team mm-hmm. that led to the hiring of Mike Shashevsky and who was not the all-time permanent coach, but right. hung around and won several Olympic gold medals as a head coach, and he came on to say, I'm not sure. Because I thought Larry and I got along reasonably well. He yelled a lot more at LeBron and Iverson than he yelled at me. Why he singled me out publicly and didn't talk about the other two. He said, I I never really got to understand that. But we had a g- great conversation for an hour. He was going into his second year in the league, coming off a sensational rookie year. He should have been rookie of the year ahead of LeBron. LeBron yes, he should have. But Carmelo had a better rookie season than LeBron had. His team was better than LeBron's. People forget LeBron's Cleveland Cavaliers did not make the playoffs during the first two years Mm -hmm. of LeBron's career. The Nuggets in the first two years of uh, Carmelo's career immediately made the playoffs after, what, eight years of not making it? Eight years in a row? Kind of a Bronco stretch of non-playoff years. Uh, Unfortunately, And uh, without having the Super Bowl (laughs) right before the— Uh, the drought. Uh, The Nuggets had not been very good, and Carmelo got plenty of credit for that. The Nuggets, apart from a couple of weeks in the postseason in 1994, had had no success to speak of, regular season or postseason, since the late 1980s. About 15 years. Carmelo gets here, and they start making the playoffs, and he got probably more credit from me than he got, from generally the media here in Denver, then that switched. For me, it only switched when w- one he asked out, and that I I.
0: But and it was the nice, basis demanded.
2: It, it was the basis on which he asked out. Well, they never surrounded me with any talent here, which should have come as news, and did in fact to Chauncey Billups for some reason never did to Marcus Camby or. Uh, Kenyon Martin, especially Kenyon Martin, uh, who had uh, if, if he had any kind of sense, would have known that for years Carmelo had suggested that Kenyon Martin among others would uh, not a sufficient supporting cast as far as he was concerned that LeBron had it better in Cleveland. He actually Carmelo actually said that that, that he had more players around him in Cleveland. LeBron did. Than Carmelo had here in Denver, which of course is preposterous, um, that every other star in the league was surrounded by great talent, except he was one of those great stars. But no, Carmelo was a great offensive star and a good guy, and I admire his uh, social justice initiatives, and they have been initiatives, they haven't been operations on which he's ridden somebody's coattails or something. He's done a lot of good uh, for the city of his youth, uh, Baltimore, no, Maryland yeah. down through the years, done many great things off the court. He has a thing about Denver and a thing about the Nuggets that I'll never so understand. Weird. And yes, uh, he rescued the Nuggets um, and was there in 0304, without much around him. That was true as a rookie, and got credit for that. But in point of fact, if you're picking an all-time nugget starting five, there's no way he's anywhere close whoa, to being whoa. on it. Whoa, what? I'm, there, there's no way. And, and and even some of his supporters while he was here in Denver now acknowledge that whoa. that he wouldn't make – oh, come on. He's not even close. He's the 11th the, leading scored in the history of even the league. Close. So – He's a good offensive player. He's not making any all-defensive teams, and certainly his defense was an issue here. His lack of rebounding and lack of playmaking was an issue here. Not that he wasn't capable of it. He just decided he was going to be a scorer. That was his choice. He would not be on my first all-time Nugget team. He wouldn't be on my second all-time Nugget team, and not even close. He might make the third or fourth teams. He might make the third or fourth teams. He didn't do enough here because he wasn't here long enough. And the coach, who was here a lot longer than Carmelo was, actually did better without Carmelo than he did with Carmelo. That is a fact. The Nuggets, over a five-year period, the last five years of George Carl's regime here in Denver, most of which were spent Without Carmelo Anthony mm-hmm. in his lineup, the Nuggets were the fourth-best team in the NBA. During Carmelo's last five years, the Nuggets weren't one of the top ten teams in the NBA.
0: Carmelo should know better for a couple of reasons. What number did he wear with the Knicks, Sandy? It wasn't fifty; It was seven, right? Because yeah. 15 was retired. Well, here's the funny part. Earl Monroe. And Dick McGuire. The number fifteen, the exact Who number. Who are both better players for the, the exact, Knicks? But that's than irrelevant. Was. That's irrelevant. That's totally irrelevant. Here's the only point: Carmelo Anthony played on a team, the team he demanded to be traded to, and couldn't wear the number he loves because it was retired. But it was retired for two different people because <laughs> guess what? There's no rules about that. What are you worried about? You're you're, you're 15 and Nikola Jokic is 15 one day, if you will ever back off and take a couple deep breaths, might hang side by side because teams can do that. The Knicks, the team you played for, did it already. That This idea that it's insulting that somebody wore his number, you've got to be kidding me. This is not uncommon. Look at the New York Yankees who have like seven retired numbers that are retired for multiple players. And the Knicks have two for number 15. I mean, this is ridiculous.
2: Well, they were both I, better players than Carmelo it just
0: was. it's it's very very <laughs> strange that I mean at a certain point like you wanted out. So let it go. And, and I think there's a large contingent of, of fans. And I think at times when he's not doing things like this, there's even some momentum in the organization to be like, hey, he's retired. They've tried to let's, reach. Let's, out. let's let's bury the hatchet yeah, and let's let's reach you know out. you're an all-time great. Let's let's have some fun and with this.
2: Honestly, there are people I'd rather the Nuggets have reached out to it. over the years than Carmelo, but they have made effort after effort. And they also wanted to acquire him. That right. was another one of Tim Connelly's follies. Thank goodness it didn't happen. Tim Connolly was desperate to get Carmelo yep, back here. He tried, and we were some of us sitting around saying, "You'll start to lose the minute you."
0: Well, at that point hand, in his career, when he was kind of kicking around with the with the Trailblazers, I mean, the, sort of a one dimensional player. So it's a different c- scenario. But just well, he's always a one dimensional player. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he never. But the changed. dimension wasn't as uh, good as it used to be. No, so it's really fascinating. True. I mean, it's. It, it's so strange because because I don't I don't get it. I think there's a lot of of the 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 history and folks in town who would be more than happy to celebrate Carmelo. But by, by the way, Jokic
2: knows it. much more about Nugget history
0: than Carmelo does. Although I, uh, I want to make that. Point I do clear. think Carmelo had one thing right when he also said, and I, I can't exactly say it because David had to beep it again. Uh, Nicola didn't care. Cool came to the team. He gets to wear 15. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> there's no difference if they also would have told him for some reason, sorry, you can't wear 15. He'd be like, okay, I'll pick something else. Doesn't care. He wore the number he wore his whole life. Doesn't care. Just very, very strange. Your thoughts on that? Love to get that as well. 303-831-1340. Remind you over at Superbook Sports, we're changing the game. Win some money this season with Superbook, the most trusted name in sports gambling, with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now when you use the promo code Mile High, you'll score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. And that means win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code Mile High. So download the Superbook Sports app right now. You enter the promo code Mile High. That's easy. Two words. Mile high. You know where you live, right? I mean, that's it. You'll get 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, coaching carousels are going on for the Denver Broncos. Quarterback carousels are going on as well. What will their options be realistically? I think I know where they're going already, Sandy, in the free agency route and the draft. I'll share with you next on Miley Sports. I'm on
1: my way from Messi to Happiness to be.
0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandra Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back. Okay, Danny, is that the Proclaimers? It is indeed. They did have more than one song. See, look what you learned on I was surprised, too. How about that? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I is- believe this song was in the film Shrek. Oh, okay. okay. All right. All right. It is a Friday, and uh, we'll have Ryan Blackbird joining us just a little bit uh, as well to talk more about the Denver Nuggets from, from Mile High Sports, but... Looking at the Broncos and their salary cap space with the dead cap issues they're going to have, it is going to be challenging to improve at the quarterback position. And this is something we've talked about here, and it's kind of amazing. I think, Sandy, I get it up, and you probably do, too. Uh, more outside of work than even with this about people asking, what are they going to do a quarterback? How are they going to go get this? Uh, Dak Prescott's a free agent. Okay, first, stop with all that. The... Broncos salary cap space. And another thing we'll stop with too. Uh, Yes, the Broncos owners have a tremendous amount of money. They have a lot of cash on hand, something the Broncos haven't had for a long time. That's nice. Still a salary cap league. Can you maneuver it? Yes. Do teams do it all the time? Yes. Can you out now just ignore it and go 50, 60 million over it? No. So now for the Broncos, you have to deal with the idea of getting better at the quarterback position. And we're assuming. Sean Payton doesn't think that Jared Stidham is the answer, although prior to the season he did say he saw them, saw him as a future NFL starter and gave him a two-year deal and benched Russell Wilson for him. But here's the, here's the guys that are available. And when it comes to free agency at the moment, Sandy. Uh, Kirk Cousins coming off of a season-ending injury at 35 years old. I, I suppose if you really like the health, that might be a fit for Denver. They've been interested before, but you'd have to take a look at the health and ask if the Broncos are really ready to turn things around. Kirk Cousins. Uh, same age as Russell Wilson, so long-term future, maybe not there. Jeff Legwald suggested Ryan Tannehill, even older than Kirk Cousins, might be the uh, the person to add when you're talking about the quarterback position. Um, I imagine there are people not turning backflips about the idea. Otherwise, your available quarterbacks are Jacoby Brissett, Tyrod Taylor, uh, Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold, Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater, so he doesn't retire. Joe Flacco, who likely is just going to come back to the Browns, one would think, even if Deshaun Watson were to play well. I mean, you're talking about uh, guys that are not difference makers, that are not going to be any different than Jared Stedham. You're not talking about a winning record. Now, the one to keep in mind for free agency is Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is 30, backing up Derek Carr in New Orleans, and he has played for Sean Payton before. If there's one thing that makes you more likely to pay for Sean Payton, it's that you've already played for Sean Payton. I suspect the Broncos will, assuming they don't have to break the bank, Once Winston made only $4 million this year. I assume the Broncos will bring Jameis Winston in to compete for the job. Simply because Payton is comfortable with him. Winston is a pocket passer. He's not rolling around. Remember, Payton has a type, everybody. The type is, call the play I ran, stay in the pocket, don't improvise. That's... That's what Peyton likes. Preferably be accurate as well. You can argue about any of that with Winston, but he's already fit into the system and had at least a pretty decent year before he got hurt under Sean Payton. I suspect that's where they will go because you can... That was 2021. Right. Yes, 2021. You can sign him relatively on the cheap and you can have have Stidham and Winston and you can say, all right, we're going to, you know, roll the ball out the middle of the field and see who comes away with the job. If your Broncos fans are going, that doesn't feel like a AFC West contender, um, you're right. But looking at the challenge now, Sandy, when you look at rookies, is this, right? I think you and I agree. I think most analysts agree there are three surefire first-round quarterbacks. Caleb Williams of USC, Drake May of North Carolina. Both are likely to go 1-2. And Jaden Daniels of LSU. You're not going to get Williams. You're not going to get May. Even if you could trade up Jaden Daniels, because I hear that from Broncos. But what about Jaden Daniels? It's exactly what Sean Payton doesn't want. Although I think he might be, yes, in the pros.
2: He, he was the Heisman Trophy winner in college. I mm-hmm. understand Williams was too, but Williams played this year. Daniels played this year. There's so no question he was the better quarterback. No question who had the better year. I think Daniels has a better chance of be a great be pro, a great I pro like see that. than Caleb Williams has, and certainly than Drake May. I, I yes. agree with that. In, in my opinion. I agree with you. Dr. Rick Perea was on with us the other day. We talked about that very subject. He agreed with me, uh, completely, and in fact went further on Williams. He thinks Williams will be a bust, and he said any team that drafts him, uh, well, at first, second, it third won't be overall, any team. it'll be the is making a mistake. So, well, no, I don't think it necessarily will be. It 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 could be, but I I think even within the Bears organization, there's an argument for Justin Fields and. They could use a Marvin Harrison, who has declared that he will be coming out for the draft. He mm-hmm. could have gone back to Ohio State for another year. He says he's coming out. Um, I like the Washington wide receiver myself. Oh, Roma Dunze, uh, yeah. Almost as much, uh, maybe as much, as I like, I like Marvin Harrison. I
0: look at Harrison and I look at a Marvin Harrison is the, the same right
2: thing. thing. Um Adunze might end up being a better pro than Harrison. I, He might be. Don't be shocked if Just as Justin Jefferson is a much better pro, so is CeeDee Lamb than Jerry Judy. Or I, I suspect Ruggs would have been had Ruggs not gotten himself thrown out. Of the, the, the
0: challenge for the Bears when it comes to Fields, of course, is they have to pay him. Because at, at this point, you know, they're through the, the, the rookie deals. Next year, 2024, if they keep him, he makes a leap. But then you have to decide on that 50-year option. And they're not 100% sure. But for the Broncos, they're not getting Williams, May, or Daniels. Those fields are out of, this, is your guy they're anyway. out of discussion. I do like. I still you do like, like Justin em. Fields. I like him coming the, out of college. I, I still think like.
2: There him. There are those in the Bears organization. You got to use him right. By, by the way, how would you interpret it? I, and I, I'm not sure I have the right interpretation. But how would you interpret it if the Bears fire their offensive coordinator? My interpretation is is that
0: they're thinking about they're fields.
2: thinking. You didn't get enough out of Justin Fields. And we believe You're there's
0: gone, more. Mm-hmm. He stays. Maybe. And, and he, look, he finished the season pretty effectively. You know, turnovers are still a problem. But in the last five games of the, you know, uh, the, the season, you know, he played pretty well. I don't know. We'll see. But the Broncos aren't getting any of those three. That sends them to the next pair. And that would be Michael Penix Jr. of Washington and Bo Nicks of Oregon and potentially, I guess, J.J. McCarthy. We should throw him in of Michigan. There is an argument to be made that none of those three guys are really first-round caliber. The Broncos are picking 12th, but they don't have a second-rounder because they traded for Sean Payton. So now what do you do? Now, McCarthy, to me, looks like a game manager, which I think Payton likes, but McCarthy also has this tendency of gambling and makes interceptions at the wrong time, which Payton doesn't like. McCarthy is not a first-round pick. Penix, I think, throws a terrific ball, but you do... Get concerned about the turnovers. I don't think Penix is a first round. I don't think Penix is a first round either. And I think the injuries are a concern as well. Yes. To my mind, this is very easy. If if Sean Payton's going to go get a rookie quarterback, he's going to get Bo Nix. And if he's going to do it, he's going to have to do it with 12, even though that's a reach, because he's not going to be there in the third round. And you can dance around it. Bo Nix has 61 career college starts. That's an NCAA record. Sean Payton's mentor, Bill Parcells, You've talked about it before. That's the Parcells rules. That's Parcells rules. Yeah, and, and he qualifies. Your, your likeliest yeah. chance of success are how many
2: starts you've had in college. Yeah, you have to complete 60% of your passes, unless you're Josh Allen. Um, you have to start fewer than the number of games that Nick's actually started. Well, not, every, a everyone fewer, has, so. not a lot fewer. Not a lot
0: fewer. I think that's Peyton's guy. The question is... Twofold. fold One, Sean Payton's never developed a young quarterback. Correct. Correct. Both Drew Brees and even Jameis Winston had success before they got to right. Sean Payton. But the challenge here is what do you do? Now, I've always made the argument in drafts and I still would, that if, if you love a player, then don't get cute. Just take the player. Don't decide we're going to trade down six spots because we think he'll be there. Whatever. Don't dance around that. Just pick your guy. Pick your guy in your selection. But Broncos fans, would you be comfortable with Bo Nix as the 12th overall pick as the quarterback for the Broncos? And Sandy, am I missing something, or does this seem to be exactly the kind of guy Sean Payton would like? High accuracy, pocket passer, ton of career starts. Yeah, um, You know he functions in a system.
2: I I guess my view is colored somewhat on on Bo Nix by the time he spent at Auburn, and I understand he probably wasn't very well coached there, but... I can still see him as a mistake-ridden quarterback um, who had trouble getting out of his own way. Now, I know he was not like that at Oregon, and you just had to watch the game against CU this year to know that uh, certainly within that system, he functioned very uh, well. Yeah, he was very good. and Outstanding. Uh, you know, I, I, I think... Whenever it's the coach and the player, uh, even on the college level where I might be more inclined to lean toward the coach, uh, I think the player is the one out there on the field who has to do it. And even if the coach sketches out a very clear vision for that player and simplifies things for him, um, I don't think that the landing offense could be fairly described as simple and Bo Nix right. had to learn a very different offense from the, the prehistoric offense he ran at Auburn. Right. And he he did so. I just don't think he's a first-round pick. And at 12, I, I think you're, you're putting, putting tremendous pressure on him. You're talking about the the Winstons and the Stidams of the because world. Because if you draft him 12th overall, you gotta he's got to start from the beginning. You, and you I'm can't, not you sure he's You can't sit behind and Stidham And he's or not Wilson. playing for a particularly yeah. good team with any weapons. And they don't have enough draft picks to the, the, uh, to uh,
0: acquire right. Anybody, the kind of talent that no, a rookie don't. quarterback would need offensively. They don't. And, and you get into the middle rounds, you're not going to find guys. And I think the challenge is you can look at the Winston-Stidham type of situation. Um, I don't know what kind of pro Bo Nix will be. But if you just have Bo Nix and Jared Stidham, Bo Nix is going to beat Jared Stidham out. Just well, straight up. Immediately. Draft him 12. Uh, yeah. It's well, but I, mean, but I mean, he, he just will. He will no, be he's better. than. Jared he's Stidham. better than Jared Stidham. So, yeah, you, you put a lot of pressure on a guy that probably shouldn't be a first-round pick but is selected there. But if you're the Broncos, what do you do? Because this is not a deep quarterback year. You have to have one unless you are totally okay with going back to six or seven wins at most with, with Stidham or Tannehill. So where do you go? It's a tough spot. 303-831-1340 is the call and text line. I wonder what you think as well, Broncos fans. We'll turn our attention to the Denver Nuggets who have, well, quite frankly, lost two of their last three. They take on the New Orleans Pelicans at home tonight, and they have another game against the Pacers. A little visit from uh, Bruce Brown as well on Sunday. We'll talk about both of those games and what happened in Utah. What's going on with the Nuggets with Ryan Blackburn of My Life Sports? We'll do that next
1: By no means average. It's almost she's got to have it. Baby, you're a perfect ten. I wanna get in. Can I get down? So I can I like the way you work it.